Hello, and thanks for joining us on the Christian Celebration Center podcast. Our prayer is that this audio will encourage you in Christ and challenge you from God's Word. Enjoy the message. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to begin by reading our text for today, which is the first nine verses. So please follow along with me in your Bible. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God in our brother Sosthenes. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And God, over these next few moments, help us to have revelation of what you have provided in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You can be seated. There are two very, very, very important questions that need to be raised and then answered as we begin this series from 1 Corinthians. The first is this. Who was the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writing to? Was he writing to everybody in the city of Corinth? Well, he actually wasn't. What we see in verse 2 is that he was writing to the church of God in Corinth. This letter was to those sanctified or, or set apart in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. These were people in the city of Corinth who had placed their faith in Jesus. And they are at different levels of faith in Jesus, but they had said, I'm in. They denied themselves, surrendered their lives, bowed their knee to the Lord and to his lordship and said, I'm in, I'm following you, Jesus. And that's who Paul was writing to. Now, Pastor Keith, why do you bring that up? Is that kind of obvious? Well, it's very important for us to keep this in mind, big time for this message today, but also as we go through the rest of this series, that this was a letter, this challenge, this encouragement was a letter to believers, The second question that needs to be raised and answered is this. What motivated Paul to actually write this letter? What motivated him to say, you know, I need uh, need to sit down and write a letter. Most of us don't write letters unless we need to. What motivated Paul to write this letter? Well, if you look back in the book of Acts, um, Paul had initially arrived in the city of Corinth in 51 AD, and he began to preach, and he began to teach, first of all, to the Jews. They kicked him out, and so he went literally next door and began to preach to the Gentiles, and people began to get saved. They began to experience the power of the gospel, and so a church began. Now, fast forward three years. Paul had left there after a year and a half. He was now in the city of Ephesus, ministering to people there, planning a church in that city, and he was in that city of Ephesus whenever the news arrived. What was the news? The news was the Corinthian church had issues. And that's what motivated Paul to write this letter. Now, I wish I could stand up here. I would love to be able to stand up here and tell you that I do not have any issues. I wish I could. 
but I can't. I'll give you the most recent example. Yesterday morning, I wake up. I wanted to wake up and get going early in the morning, just jumping back in a prayer and message prep for today. And so uh, usually wake up without an alarm clock. I don't know if some of you are like that too. Maybe I'm old. I don't know. Maybe that's old school. But uh, I wake up early, okay, and I, I, had a, a, I had a thought. And it was a remembrance of something that I heard somebody say that week, this past week. Now, interestingly, this is not someone who is part of this church, not someone who's even part of our community. It's just something that I heard someone say, and it bothered me. And that thought came to mind after I woke up, kind of the half-sleep, half-wake moment, you know, whenever the sunlight comes in or whatever. And I began to thinking about that, and I should have just been like, I'm discarding that and moving on with my day, my plan. But no, I did not do that. I laid there in bed and began to think about that and that led to another thought and how much that bothered me and how much that made me mad and how much that made me angry and then my mind started going to different scenarios like man if if that person said that to my face or or if they came after me I'm I'm ready to throw down I was in my bed and I I was like I'm I'm ready we could we could fight I mean that's fine I've never met this person how crazy is that and my mind is just like going 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 and then I looked at my clock And a whole hour had gone by. And finally I was like, oh my goodness, I need to get up and just get into the word and prayer. Because I've got issues. I have got issues. And I don't just have issues sometimes with thoughts that I allow to just go, 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 go to these crazy scenarios. But at times I have relational issues. At times I have pride issues. I have frustration with referees issues. Being transparent, I I have at times selfishness issues, and and I could say to all of you, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say you've got issues? But I'm like, what's the point? We've all got them, right? We've all got them. What are some of your issues? And, and I'm, I'm referring to the, the the problems that you can't seem to solve. I'm referring maybe to to some people that you can't seem to get along with. You've got issues. Maybe it's some things that you can't figure out. It's, 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 it's you're trying to know what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and, and you're just drawing a blank. Maybe it's having trouble forgiving that person. You know who I'm talking about, that person. Issues, things that you can't seem to get past. Maybe um, hang-ups you can't seem to get rid of or ditches that you keep falling into. And you're like, I have Issues And one of the most encouraging lessons in the Bible is that we are not the only ones. I love that about the Bible. As you read it, you're like, oh, oh, okay. Okay, we're on level ground here. Others had issues. And we could say most especially the Corinthian church. This was a church that had issues. Now, God loved them. They were probably nice people with a good personality. But they had issues. They had unity issues, relationship issues, legal issues, attitude issues, doctrinal issues, pride issues. And you're like, well, Keith, that's, that's a lot. Well, we're just like in chapter six right now, where I'm at. We, they had um, organizational issues, compassion issues. They even had communion issues. Like, can they not even get that right? There were some in their number 
who were calling themselves followers of Jesus but were engaged with sex outside of marriage. There were, uh, th- there were four different factions vying for leadership of the church. I mean, issue after issue after issue. And you have to ask, well, what happened in that church to where they came to a place where they had so many issues that Paul was in another part of the world. And Paul's like, oh my goodness, I don't have time for this, but I've got to write them a letter. Here's the thing. Corinth was a defiled city. The phrase to Corinthianize was a was a common slogan in that part of the world, and everybody knew what it meant. To Corinthianize meant to go to the devil. I mean, this was a polluted city. This was a defiled city. There were uh, attitudes and there were sins that were taking place. And one commentator put it like this. Although they were the church in Corinth, an inordinate amount of Corinth was in them. And tragically, sinful actions and sinful attitudes had crept into the church. And what a tragedy it is. If a church or a home more closely aligns with the world than it does the majesty and the holiness of Christ. That, my friends, is an issue. And Paul greets them at the beginning of this letter. And then before getting into all of that stuff, which he'll get into, he says in verse 4, and I, I find this even surprising, He begins verse 4 saying, I always thank my God for you. I always thank my God for you. And when I read that, I stopped. I was like, wait, 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 what a sec. Wait a second, because I've read the whole book, the whole letter, and they had a ton of issues. And Paul is saying he's thankful for them. I'm like, well, what is he thankful about? Why is he thankful for these people, of all people, with all of their issues? Here's why. Because there was still hope. There was still hope. Even for these believers in Corinth who were knee-deep and sometimes neck-deep in their struggles and in their issues, there was still hope. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the gospel. I want to ask you if we could just stop right for a moment right now so that you could think and consider and reflect on your own life. What is an area of your life in which you need hope? Try to answer that internally. What is an area of your life in which you need hope? The marriage, maybe? It's a diagnosis? It's an adult child? It's a struggle? It's a a sin issue? It's an attitude? It's a relationship? What is an area of your life that needs hope? And as I dug into this, I I was just so encouraged that the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, began the letter like this. Remembering, yes, they've got issues, but there's hope. Because the gospel is powerful. And as long as the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is proclaimed and believed, broken people can be made whole. Issues can be dealt with. Mountains can be overcome. Why? Because the gospel is 
powerful. And the Apostle Paul begins this letter not by coming after them about these issues, which he's going to come after them for them about these things. But yet he comes to them, first of all, with thanksgiving to the Lord because he's like, there's still hope. There's hope for the Corinthians. There's, there's hope for you. There's hope for your family. There's, there's hope. There's hope. And he begins in this passage, in the very first chapter, the very first part of the letter, describing and reminding the Corinthians of why there was hope. First of all, it's because if in Christ, in Christ, you are empowered. Remember, this letter is written to believers. And if you're a believer in this place, lean in. Because in Christ, you are empowered. Paul said it like this, I always thank my God for you. Because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Because of his grace. In Christ you are empowered to do what you can't do on your own. You see, it's by his, his grace that we are saved, right? It's by his grace that we can stay saved. Only by his grace. And it's by his grace that we can live like we're saved. Do you remember looking forward to getting your driver's license? And for some of us, that was a long time ago, but you can probably still remember it. You know, you were like three, and you're like, I can't wait. You're six, and you're like, I can drive better than, better than my parents. Like, you just know it. Like, you can't wait to get your driver's license. You're 14, you're 15, you're just like, come on, give me the keys. But you couldn't get them because you didn't have a license. And so maybe you went through a class or whatever. You're just you know, like a, a natural learner. You didn't even need it. And you go and take your test and you, 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 you pass the written test and you barely miss that pedestrian. And then finally they give you a license. And according to the state government of Michigan, you are now legal. Like you can actually get behind the wheel of a 4,000-pound high-tech machine. Oh, what a feeling, right? Getting behind the wheel, 10 and 2. You are ready to go. Now, whether that's a good idea of the state government to do that, I'm not saying that. But you have a license. You are authorized to drive. Grace, friends, understand this. Grace is a license. Grace is a license that you receive when you place your faith in him. It is a license. It is authorization. It is the empowerment to live like Christ. It is a license to now do what you couldn't do on your own, and that is to resist temptation. It's a license to live free. Before you were a slave to sin, now you are free in him. It's a license that God gives to you. And in the word that we, uh, that we see in the Greek is the word charis, and it's used about 150 times uh, defined as grace. Uh, Strong's Greek Concordance uh, defines this word as the divine influence upon the heart and the reflection in the life. The divine influence on the heart. That's grace. Empowerment is the divine. Poof, what, what, it, what it does in you and then what it can do through you. The divine influence, God's influence on you, and then the reflection in your life so that you can experience it and others can see it as well. God's grace being on you. And we see this reflection of God's grace in Jesus' life, right? It's easy to see it as we read the scriptures, as we read the gospels. I mean, he was performing miracles, one after another. He always seemed to know what to say. Do you see, you see that when you read the scriptures? Always. I love it. He, he was like, he was never stumped. He always knew what to say, and he always knew when not to talk. He just knew. The reflection of God's grace on his life. And he lived a sinless life. 
The Bible says that he was full of grace and truth. The grace of God was on him. And, and we might want to stop there and be like, okay, yeah, yeah, that was Jesus, the Son of God. Of course he lived a sinless life. Of course he did those things. But yet what we read in, in the scriptures, specifically John chapter 1 verse 16, is that from his fullness, so the fullness of Jesus, Jesus was full of grace and truth, from his fullness we, believers, we have now received grace upon grace. In other words, limitless grace. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Jesus was full of grace and truth and from his fullness from his fullness, we have received the divine influence on our lives and the reflection out of our lives. It is his grace. His grace is more than what gets you into heaven. It is your license. It is your authorization to live a life that pleases him, to make God-pleasing choices. It's his grace in us as we engage by faith with it. We have access into this grace in which we now stand. It is the empowerment, the empowerment to do what we can't do on our own. It's the ability to love that person who is difficult. To forgive that person who has wronged you. It's God's grace, the empowerment. It's the empowerment as a parent to be patient with that child. Again, it's the empowerment to walk in peace through difficult situations. It's the empowerment to resist temptation every single time. And you say, wait, 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 wait. Resist temptation every single time? It hasn't been my experience. We're looking at the word today. Does anyone believe that the word is truth? And the word of God says that Jesus was full of grace and truth, and for from his fullness we have now received grace upon grace. The same grace. It's not a different grace. It's the same grace that God places in us and through us and on us and around us that enables us and empowers us to live in such a way that we could not have pulled off on our own. In Christ, you are empowered. Paul goes on and teaches them that in Christ, you are rich. You are rich. And some of you are like, boom! That's why I came to church today. That's my word. God's going to make me rich. And if you're into money, just want you to know, in this particular usage of the word, in this particular passage, it doesn't appear that Paul is speaking at all about dinero. Uh, just so you know, uh, Paul, Paul here is speaking about, like, in Christ, you are rich with potential to impact your world. You're rich with it. You're rich with it. Here's what he says. In Christ, you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. It goes on here and says, therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you earnestly wait for our Jesus Christ to be revealed. Enriched in every way. An incredible abundance that God wants to give and has given to us. Rich with potential to impact our world. Given everything that we need, everything that we need, everything that we need. And often though we don't operate like that, we operate with a sense of lack, right? You ever thought, oh, just wish I was more gifted? Or, oh, 
be nice if I could do what that other person does for God. Or I wish I had that ability. Or I, I just, I don't feel like I'm enough. I just, I don't feel like I have what it takes. I'm so challenged when I, when I read about Jesus' first send-off of the disciples. I don't know if you remember that passage, but the disciples have been following Jesus for a while. They've been watching what he does, what he says, how he heals people. And they don't understand all of it. But then one day, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to send you out. I'm going to send you out. And you are going to cast demons out in my authority. And you are going to cure diseases in my authority. And and you're going to go out and proclaim the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom? The rule and the reign of the king. The king has come. Jesus is here. You're going to go out and proclaim the Messiah has come. And you're going to heal the sick. And then Jesus drops this bombshell on them. When he tells them what they should take with them for their missions trip. He says, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. So they set out and went from village to village proclaiming the good news of healing, the good news and healing people everywhere. He sent them out without anything. They had their backpacks packed. I would have granola bars, maybe a little hand sanitizer, I don't know, toothpaste for sure, extra set of clothing, and Jesus, leave your backpacks. Don't take that. Don't even take a granola bar with you. Take nothing for your journey. They're like, what? Take nothing, no money, don't take anything. Just, just go with the clothes on your back, and I'm going to send you out, and I want you to go in the authority of Jesus, the authority of the king, and reach people and point people to the true king. Now, they came back, and God had used them powerfully. They were pumped, excited. You can read about that in the Gospels. But then um, sometime later, months later, Jesus, in conversation with them, brings them back to that moment and says, hey, guys, guys, listen, you, do you remember whenever I sent you out without purse or bag or bread or money? Do you, do you remember that? And the disciples thought about it, like, oh, yeah, yeah, we remember that. And Jesus says, what did you lack on that trip? And the disciples, after thinking about it for a moment, all answered, Nothing. When they thought about it, they realized that God had provided everything. Not just the food that they needed for that day, not just the place to stay, not just, just, not, not just the, the, the money to purchase what they needed to purchase, but, but he provided the words and most definitely provided the authority and the power to do what he called them to do. What did you lack? And what did the disciples say? Nothing. They lacked nothing. There is a connection in this passage that we have here in 1 Corinthians 1, speaking of being enriched in every way, a connection to spiritual gifts. It speaks of speech and knowledge and not lacking any spiritual gifts. So there's a connection to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which we'll get to in this series, the Lord willing. And this is referring to, to God's empowerment to do things that are not natural in order to point people to Christ. It's a word from God. It's a word of knowledge. It's, a, it's, a, it's the power in Christ to heal someone in the name of Christ. It's, it's a word from God for God's people. It's a word from God for those who aren't God's people to point them to God. Just power gifts and 
witnessing gifts. And God, uh, God is pointing here in this passage saying to the Corinthians, you've been enriched in every way. Like you've been enriched, like you've been endowed with this. You've been given this in every way. It made me think of last Sunday morning in second service. Pastor Cornell, I don't think we did this in first service. I think it was just second service, as I recall. Pastor Cornell, at the end of service, uh, asked for the elders to, um, to get ready because he was going to ask them, which would be the, in our uh, structure, that's the pastor's board members and spouses. Uh, wanted them to get ready to go around the church uh, auditorium and pray for people. Usually we ask people, if they want prayer, come up. We're going to be here. We love you. We're going to pray for you. But he's like, no, no I want you to, to, go, to go out and pray for people. And my, my first few thoughts, I'm just being completely transparent. We're like, oh, my goodness, we're already past time. Um, how's this going to work with the kids' ministry? Because the, the volunteers, you know what I'm saying, or they've planned for this long, parents. I'm like, oh, I'm like thinking about that. And then I'm thinking about the people in the balcony. I'm like, I don't know if we have any elders up in the balcony. I don't want them to be missed out. And I'm thinking about all these details. At the same time that I'm thinking about these details, uh, Lacey told me later on that day that um, when, he, when he said that, she just began to pray, and the Lord um, gave her a picture of someone's face here uh, who is part of this church. And she didn't even know if that person was here for that service. But she's, she's sitting in the front row, and she's, God just gives her a picture of a, a face of a person who is part of this church. And so, okay, so we stand up, and immediately uh, she looks around, and uh, she sees that person. And then as she prayed for her, God gave her the words to pray. Now, I don't know the impact that it had in that person or in the others that Lacey prayed for or the others that the rest of the elders prayed for. I don't know. But my point in bringing it up is that here I was concerned and worried about details. And here's someone else who is listening to God's heart and God is giving them what they need to minister to someone that he loves very, 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 very much. What Paul is bringing out to the Corinthians is like, look, you've got issues, we're going to get to those. But you have to understand, you've been made filthy rich with what you need to serve God. If you would just stop and pause. If you would just stop and pause and be like, here I am, Lord, use me. You have been made filthy rich with the potential to impact your world. You've been enriched in every way. You don't even lack any spiritual gift. Can you believe that? As believers, we're here. You don't lack any spiritual gift. You're like, well, I haven't been used in this and that. You don't lack any spiritual gift. God can use you. If you're open to him, God wants to use you and can use you in any way that he determines. Enriched in every way. I love that. In Christ, you are rich. Number three, in Christ, you have a future. You have a future that no one can take away from you. He says, God will also keep you firm to the end so that... So that, I love that, if you were at our prayer meetings a few weeks ago, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blameless. Blameless. Anybody here feel blameless as you look back on your life? <laughs> None of us. Blameless. This, this word means morally without blemish. Morally without blemish. It's the same word that Paul used in his letter to the Colossians in chapter 1. One of my favorite passages in all of scripture. It says this, but now he has reconciled us to Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blame 
and be morally without blemish and without accusation. If you continue in your faith and remain established and firm, not moving from the hope held out in the gospel. Holy, blameless, without accusation. God in Christ gives you, as you place your faith in him, a future that no one can take away from you. No one can take away from you. That when a believer, a true believer, a follower of Jesus stands before God on judgment day, Jesus presents that person, you, to God, and God sees the work of Christ. God doesn't look at your sin, he looks at the work of Christ. He doesn't look at your works, he looks at the work of Christ on your behalf. It's not about your merits, it's about Christ's merits. of His pure and sinless life and dying on the cross for you. This is one of my favorite scriptures in all of scripture. Because of the promise of a future that I have. That I know when I die, I will stand before God and I will be allowed into heaven. Not because I was nice a few times, not because I'm a pastor. No, 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 nothing, nothing having to do with that. All because I placed my faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins and I bowed to his lordship. All because of him. All because of him. And Paul is saying to these Corinthians, yeah, you've got issues. We're going to get to those. But look, look, look. In Christ, you have a future that no one can take away from you. Hold on to it. Keep believing. Stay established and firm in what God has put in you. And, and live like that, holy and blameless and without accusation. Live with that confidence of who you are in Christ. Here's the thing. The more secure I know I am in Christ, the less I want to sin. The more secure I know that I am in Christ, the less draw and pull temptation has. You say, well, well I, th I thought, uh, you know, if, if I give my life to Christ and I'm going to stand before him holy and blameless without accusation, that I can just do whatever I want. That doesn't sound to me like a person who is saved. A person who truly has been convicted of their sin. And the filth of their sin and says, you know what, I don't want that anymore. I want you, Jesus. Would you cover me with your blood? Would you cover me with your grace? I want to be right with you. And he imparts that to us and imparts righteousness to us. And we become the righteousness of Christ. And we are now holy, blameless, and without accusation. If I'm running over here and be like, I just want to do whatever I want. It doesn't matter because I have a get-out-of-jail-free card. That doesn't sound like anybody who's saved. The person that says, I'm in you, Christ. Thank you. And I want to be more like you. In Christ, you have a future that no one can take away from you. And then finally, in Christ, you are invited. You are invited. Paul wanted them to know, look, uh, the life that you get to live is not a normal life. In Christ, you are invited. Look at this. God will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless. And then God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Called you into fellowship, partnership, relationship with Jesus. The message paraphrase says it like this. I love this. Just think, you don't need a thing. You've got it all. All God's gifts are right in front of you as you wait expectantly for our master Jesus to arrive on the scene for the finale. And not only that, but God himself is right alongside to keep you steady and on track until things are all wrapped up by Jesus. God who got you started in this spiritual adventure, shares with us the life of his son and our master Jesus. He will never give up on you. And that's why there's hope. That's why there's hope.
because of the power of the gospel and the presence of our Lord. That's why there was hope for the broken Corinthians, why there's hope for your marriage, there's hope for your family, your relationships, your issues, whatever they are. That's why there's hope. It's because in Christ, we are empowered. In Christ, we are rich with potential. Impact this world. In Christ, we have a future. In Christ, we are invited to live a life with Jesus. To live a life like Jesus. And you might think, Pastor Keith, that's nice to hear. But I don't always feel empowered. You might say, Pastor Keith, uh, okay, so God has given us his grace. We just read it. I mean... He's given us his grace, but, but what about my weaknesses? I'm rich in Christ. Okay, okay, I see that in Scripture. But I feel like I'm not enough. I promised a future. Okay, I read that. But what if I sin? Here's my challenge to you this morning. Lose your butts. Lose your butts. When, when my kids were little, I remember sometimes they, they might be, one of them might be sitting on the couch, and I would come over, maybe they were watching TV or something, I, I would come over and, and act like I didn't see them. You know, and I would then like sit on them. Not my full weight, I don't want to crush them, but uh, I, would, I was like, I, oh yeah, it's a good show. And I would just sit down on them, forcing them down where they couldn't get out, and they're squirming and laughing. I'm like, oh, I wonder where Eric is. Yeah, I, wa- yeah, I wonder, is he upstairs? Ethan, do you know where Eric is? And I'm, he can't, he's like, <laughs> because of my big butt, he couldn't move. He couldn't move. And I'm sorry for those people over there, sorry. should not have done the illustration like that. <laughs> I, my bad, I should have been more like this. I'll do that. I'm doing that second service for sure. (laughs) As long as your butts are involved, your faith is hindered. As long as your butts are in the equation, your experience is going to be diluted. Lose your butts and simply believe what the word of God says. Secondly, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Do you remember Simon Peter? Simon Peter was in the boat. Uh, The waves were crashing over. They were a little bit nervous. And and all of a sudden they look up and, and here comes this form walking on the Sea of Galilee. And they're like, what is going on? And then they realize that's Jesus and, and Simon Peter looks out, and it's like windy, and like it's crazy out there. Jesus is just hanging out on the water, walking on the water. And, and Simon Peter says, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, yeah, it's me, come. And so I love this desire, this faith of Simon Peter in that moment. He jumps out of the boat, and he starts to walk on the water. And as long as his eyes were on Jesus, he was walking on water, doing what humans can't do. But then, as soon as what? As soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus, what happened? He began to sink. He began to get scared out of his mind. Jesus, save me. He's screaming. As long as our eyes are on our issues alone, we will struggle. Emotionally, 
spiritually. As long as our eyes even are on our own abilities, confidence in ourselves, we're going to struggle and often we're going to fail. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Now, that's what Paul's doing. You'll see that as we go through this letter. He's saying, look to Jesus, look to Jesus. He's your only hope for all your issues. Look to him. Look to Jesus. Lose your butt, look to Jesus. And then finally, live above the line. Live above the line. The, the major issue for the Corinthian church was that they were living, if you will, below the line of what Christ made possible. They, they, they were down here. They were down here. My prayer coming into this series is that, Lord, would you help us as a church to live above the line? Live above the line of what's made possible in Christ. People that actually lose their butts, people that actually look to Jesus, and we walk by faith, and we actually live like we are empowered. We live like we are rich with potential to impact this world. We live like we have a future that is set in him and no one can take it away. We live like we've been invited into fellowship and partnership with Jesus. College students, when you're in the dorm rooms this week, live above the line. Live above the line in what is possible. When you go to work, you're at work, you're online at work, live above the line. Family members, live above the line. That's how we impact our world. That's how we make a difference. We live above the line because then we're experiencing what God has for us. We're not settling down here. We're not settling. We're not going to just live in our issues. We're saying, no, 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 there is a beyond. There is a better. There is a future. There is hope. Live above the line. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me if you would. And I made a point at the very, very beginning of this message to say that this letter was written to believers. One primary reason is because if you're in this place and you have not yet surrendered your life to Jesus, you've not yet denied yourself, taken up your cross, said, I'm following you, Jesus. I'm going to place my faith in you. You're going to be my Savior and my Lord. I'm receiving what you have done. If you haven't done that, then these promises that I have just shared are not for you yet. But you can have access to these, the empowerment of God's grace, the gifting of the Holy Spirit, the, 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 the richness of potential, the, the future that's promised and secure. You can have access, even the partnership and relationship and fellowship with Jesus Christ himself. You can have that through what? Through relationship with God, becoming right with God. You immediately have access into his grace. And for those that are in this place that you have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. You have not yet placed your faith in him. The one who died on the cross for you. The one who gave his life for you. The one who created you and put you on this earth and brought you here today. If you're online right now. Today is your day. Today is your day. Today is your day. If that's you, you say, today I want to make sure that I'm right with the Lord. Today I want to give my heart to him. I want him to be my Lord and my Savior. I want access to his, to his promises and his presence. Would you just lift up a hand right where you're at? Thank you for listening. You know, we believe God has something amazing in store for you today. And now is the perfect time to take a few moments and pray about what you just heard. If this message spoke to you, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to office at cccmidland.com or connect with us on your favorite social media at CCC Midland.